You're listening to the podcast Impacting Care, brought to you by the Novo Nordisk Hemophilia Foundation, a non-profit grant-making organization. My name is Henrik Denza, I'm a journalist based in Copenhagen, and I'm also living with hemophilia myself. In this first episode, we are going to Kenya to learn about the progress they have done in the past few years and how they are now joined forces with the sickle cell community and most recently with Tanzania to accelerate access to blood disorders care in Kenya and Tanzania. And with us to talk about this, we have Dr. Kibe Shukugu. Welcome to this first podcast, Dr. Kibe. Yeah, thank you, Henrik. Um, it is a pleasure to participate in this podcast um, to try and uh, enumerate the kind of activities, the gains, uh, the challenges, and the opportunities that we've had, uh, one as a country, as a program, and, and possibly as a continent. You're chairman of the Kenya Hemophilia Association. You're also a pathologist with a fellowship in hemostasis, besides being a lecturer in hematology and blood transfusion at the University of Nairobi. And you're also working at Kenyatta National Hospital, so you are, in fact, a busy man. That makes us more pleased you're with us today. We have a lot to talk about and learn from you. But going back to the beginning when you started working with hemophilia patients, more than 10 years ago. Tell us a bit about how was the situation back then? Um, some years back, I joined uh, the hemophilia program through a scholarship that was given to me, uh, which I took up and went to South Africa. I did my training there, uh, and then when I came back home, uh, one of the things that I would very easily talk about is uh, the challenges that we are facing as a country, especially where hemophilia and other bleeding disorders are. As a country, uh, we had less than 10% of patients diagnosed with hemophilia. A series of them did not even know uh, the type of hemophilia they had. A uh, majority did not even know their uh, factor levels. We did not have a structured program Uh, patients were split uh, in different areas, and uh, care was not coordinated as a country. We also did not have advocacy programs uh, to speak on behalf of the patients and also on behalf of the clinicians. Uh, we had uh, different patient uh, groups, uh, ranging from Kenya Hemophilia Association to other associations that were being funded by different groups and supporting different uh, patient uh, associations. Um, so we had a program that was quite uh, disrupted in terms of structure and organization. How did you decide where to start? We needed to know where we stood as a country. We needed to know where we were as a people. And once we did that, and then we agreed on where to start. And I think the easier Um, area that we thought we needed to start off with was to create a merger and have one single voice to speak on behalf of the patients in the whole country. And that's how we settled on having Kenya Hemophilia Association as the voice for the people 
with bleeding disorders in the whole country. Is this a tougher job as far away as you get from the capital, uh, get into the countryside? Uh, Kenya apparently has a decentralized health service. And we are taking advantage of this decentralized uh, program by the national government uh, to use as an avenue to reach patients even in the periphery. And we have had to do this by being closer to the first ladies of the governors in the various regions. I guess that these first ladies you're talking about, they are approached by many other organizations with many other diseases. And can you please help me? Can you speak for us? Why do you think they agreed to speak on your behalf? We had an opportunity of knowing one of the first ladies um, in one of the counties who then introduced us uh, to the other first ladies uh, through the first ladies uh, council. Uh, and so we went and made presentations to these first ladies and they were able to accept us and we created a huge relationship. Different first ladies have different uh, medical programs in their respective county hospitals uh, and some apparently could easily associate with our disease entity. Uh, we have uh, some first ladies that are uh, you know looking for blood products so they manage donor programs. Some of the users of these blood products are either hemophiliacs because of bleeding or C-class uh, patients with a sickle cell disease And so anytime you mention sickle cell disease, they say, yes, I am actually fundraising for donations to support sicklers. And so if hemophilia is working alongside the same uh, area of interest, then it becomes easier to gain entry. Secondly, is that we said we are not just coming in to have a discussion on hemophilia alone. We are coming to capacity build a facility. When we buy a coagulation machine, for example, it will not just serve hemophiliacs, it will serve other patients who require operations, for example. And so we sell ourselves beyond what we do, because we know that when we talk about other benefits uh, associated with our work, then people can relate more easily with us. And so we take, uh, we use that as, as a mechanism to win the souls of those that would want to walk with us. Now, this is all about your work, but your work is almost fruitless if you don't have the treatment, the nurses and doctors like yourself. Do you have the financial support for your work and the backup you would like to have from your government? A lot of progress, a lot of expansion, a lot of capacity building that we have done has actually come through Novo Nordisk Immobilia Foundation. We have also gotten support from other stakeholders, for example, World Federation of Hemophilia, for some of the trainings that they have done. Uh, we've also had to advocate and push uh, through our uh, government uh, by making a petition to our parliament to fund and support hemophilia and other bleeding disorders. This we have done, and uh, we have had some gains. One of the gains we had was now hemophilia and other bleeding disorders has been accepted under the non-communicable diseases. Number two is uh, Parliament has allowed us to come up with a budget which we already submitted to Parliament 
for ratification and possible passing so that then hemophilia and other bleeding disorders are included in our budget. We also have attempted to get special coverage by the, our National Health Insurance Fund uh, that is specifically earmarked and targeted to patients with bleeding disorders. So yes, we have some gains, uh, but we still have some work to do to make sure the budget that, that we developed at least is, uh, you know, is, is sustained through funding uh, by the exchequer. But just being accepted as part of the budget must have been a huge milestone for you. How did you manage to do that? So I, I guess the beauty really is uh, the teamwork that we have as a country. I have very active members within the executive. We went into elections and they voted very able, very energetic, very willing uh, executive members to work closely with us. And so I have uh, parents who are able, who are networked, they can link us up with uh, parliamentarians. I also have friends within parliament. Um, some of the patients are quite influential. And so there was quite a bit of linkaging or linking as to the right people in parliament. And out of that, we were able to get friends who got close to us in parliament. And so we used that avenue uh, to submit our requests. And we were given a hearing. Uh, we went to parliament. We spoke in parliament. We were even co-opted as friends of parliamentarians when the ministry was being taken to task. Um, so again, this came out of networking, and I think networking is so key, and the networking came from the entire team. I can't take credit for it. All of us did something as a team. Now, you mentioned earlier that you also had some help with your cooperation with the Novo Nordisk uh, Hemophilia Foundation. Tell us a bit about the project you have done with them. So we've done a series of projects with them. Uh, the first project was just trying to set up, putting basic structures in place, bringing the patient association uh, and different groups together, uh, trying to put up a constitution. Um, so we did that initially. The second thing we did was to start uh, moving out and advocating for patients, uh, which we did relatively well, You know, trying to speak for the program, trying to speak for the patients, trying to move the government to start listening to hemophilia and other bleeding disorder issues. Um, then thereafter, we, you know, we tried again capacity building the various uh, clinical teams, even capacity building the patients and the parents, trying to develop newer leaders from the patient population, uh, reaching out and diagnosing more patients. And now we have a huge program where we are supporting our colleagues uh, in Tanzania as we also expand services and taking services uh, closer to the people by working with the various county referral hospitals. Uh, and now we also have brought on board a second disease, uh, sickle cell. And this to me really uh, may be the game changer. Uh, we are yet to see how things go but we are seeing a lot of good, uh, especially with our relationship and collaboration with our colleagues in Tanzania. For those of us who might not be familiar with this disease, could you please tell us a bit about what kind of a disease is it? Hemophilia, as we all know, is a bleeder's disease. Sickle cell, on the other hand, is 
a clotter's disease. It is a disease where you have abnormal red cells that take the shape of a sickle. Uh, sickles are equipment we use for cutting grass. And so you have a, a red blood cell that is not rounded nicely so that it can move along the blood vessel. This one takes a sickled shape. And so if, if it gets to a small narrowed blood vessel, it can't change shape such that it may not be allowed to go through that narrowed blood vessel. And so it obstructs flow. And so it causes clotting rather than bleeding. Uh, but they are all blood disorders. And so uh, when you capacity build one doctor to manage a hemophilic, you can actually capacity build the same doctor to manage a sickler. You are listening to the podcast Impacting Care, brought to you by the Novo Nordisk Hemophilia Foundation. Now, you mentioned Tanzania, and you started, I don't know, was it last year, maybe the year before, working together with Tanzania as well. How did you come up with the idea that we could work together with our neighbor country? I grew up in Uganda. I know how Uganda is. I have been to Tanzania when I was working with the U.S. Army program. I had a chance of visiting Tanzania. I have uh, been to a few countries. And so uh, I can almost relate with the problems they go through. And we felt that we needed a country that we could use as a, as, as a launch pad for the new program. And so uh, Tanzania for me, based on my own thoughts and uh, procedure, felt like it was ready for change. Uh, Tanzania was ready to move. Um, uh, Uganda as well could also be another launch pad, but uh, when we discussed with the colleague in Tanzania, it was easier for us to work with them. Uh, one, because they had a very established sickle cell program, and we in Kenya felt like we had a very established uh, hemophilia program. And so if we were to match the two diseases, then it was easier to you know, learn one from each other. We could learn sickle cell tricks from them as they learn hemophilia tricks from us. And so that is what informed us to start with Tanzania as our new partner to work together and see how the two diseases uh, can actually be brought together and uh, we can capacity build the same staff to support the two disease entities. How will this project benefit people living with blood disorders in both countries? Actually, the focus of our program is patient-centered. So um, actually, I would say the entire program is to support and assist the patient population. So we have a whole set of activities that we have earmarked to achieve through this program. One, of course, is uh, to develop uh, treatment centers where patients can be attended to. The second is we capacity build the clinicians The third is to support the patient association by recreating the association to be more accommodative and support the patient population much more. And advocates um, in these uh, particular countries so that then we create sustainable processes uh, that are supported by our governments, our respective governments. So yes, the program goes beyond us just Uh, you know, developing capacity to support the two disease entities. It's actually more to support the patients more than um, just, you know, looking at the two disease areas. So what would you say are the main benefits 
from two countries working together like you're doing instead of you working uh, as individuals? individual countries so there are several gains uh, and very good things that i've learned since we started uh, this program one is uh, everyone now has a competitive mind everyone wants to move everyone wants to make an impact so um and i'll possibly start by saying that um, for this particular program tanzania started launching the program even before us and that drove us into a crazy mode um, and we say, no, 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 this can't be. So Kenya was actually driven quicker to start even the program because Tanzania was already set. Secondly, so competing, competing. Yes, so it creates competition and that is what we want. We want to see people competing for the good of the patients and for the good of, uh, you know, our clients. The second thing is um, we ended up capacity building Tanzania by having their manager come to Kenya and see how we manage the program. So we share experiences very quickly. And when they went back home, it was easier for them to implement what they had learned and studied from Kenya. Thirdly, is that uh, because Tanzania now is trying to learn how we manage our program in Kenya, the Tanzanians said, why don't we create a similar program back at home? where the clinician and the patient and the parent are able to sit together in a table and have a discussion. This was missing in Tanzania. We wanted also scenarios where we could engage our governments, where government-to-government -government, uh, exchange uh, thoughts and programs uh, can be enhanced. And so we are having discussions where the Kenyan government, Ministry of Health, is talking to the Tanzanian government, Ministry of Health. And, and out of this, uh, the two governments can then very quickly realize that unless you engage patient associations, sometimes the gains you make are not as fruitful. And, and, and you know, the two governments can realize very quickly that you can, you can get more when you work with associations rather than just working in isolation. So, yes, there are a lot of good gains when you work as a partnership uh, through uh, partnerships rather than just working individually. But I guess there must be obstacles as well in a cooperation like this. Uh, what would you say were the biggest obstacles? So, truly speaking, if it wasn't because of uh, COVID, uh, possibly the discussion on obstacles would take a completely different trajectory. Uh, but I think I should be able to state very quickly that the distances involved sometimes can be a challenge, uh, especially where we have to move around and see what is going on because then that requires resources for us to move from one end to the other end. The other is, um, you know, as a Kenyan program, we were used to managing our issues locally. Now we have to go to another country and try to fit into another um, culture altogether. Uh, the way we address ourselves in Kenya may be totally different from the way we address others elsewhere. And so, and vice versa. When they come to Kenya, we would wish that they can understand our culture and how we do things. And so you get limited on how much and how fast you can push certain things uh, based on our various environments. Even though you're neighbors? Even though we are neighbors. <laughs> would you say that a collaboration like this, is that possible for other countries to do that as well and look beyond their borders and say, hey, maybe we should try working closer with our neighbors as well. I would highly recommend that um, 
countries try to twin because especially neighboring countries uh, trying to twin amongst themselves because that way then you learn from each other and you push each other towards uh, improved care. Uh, one thing I'll tell you is I have a lot of passion uh, to work with colleagues. And for as long as uh, they are willing to work with you, it makes a difference to share ideas together. Secondly, um, I've also received a lot of requests from uh, countries within the region asking us to work with them. And I get more excited when they request for patients to talk to patients, for parents to talk to parents so that clinicians can talk to clinicians. And this way, when we all share, we demystify a very big gap that we've had in this continent, where patients and clinicians have no chance uh, to talk to each other. And patients talking to each other in different countries, that might benefit patients as well, and, and maybe inspire them to to get better care? Yes, because uh, patients talking to patients makes a whole difference. Because when patients own their own disease, it makes it easier. In fact, I keep saying, our patients are more educated than the clinicians. Our patients can be able to direct a clinician on what to do. A patient can easily tell a doctor, sorry, this is my disease and this is how I manage it. A patient can express themselves better. So when you empower the patient, you have empowered the nation. Dr. Kibi, I thank you very much for your time and also for talking to us today. Thank you and welcome. This podcast is intended for informational, educational, and inspirational purposes only. Please speak with a medical professional before making any health-related decision. Interviews in the Impacting Care podcast series are with project partners, people with blood disorders, and volunteers who are impacting care together with the Novo Nordisk Hemophilia Foundation in low- and middle-income countries. Guests have not received any compensation. The views expressed here are those of the people being interviewed. Enjoy, share, and subscribe. <laughs>